Welcome to the July 7th episode of the Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Today's reading is Job 34 and 35 and Acts chapter 15, but we'll focus only on the New Testament in this podcast. If you have any questions about anything in the Old Testament or New Testament reading assignment, please email me at mattellis1997 at gmail.com. I may answer it on the next podcast. Acts 15. The pendulum swings again. I can only imagine the excitement everyone experienced as Paul and Barnabas gave the report and the people heard how God had blessed their first mission trip with converts. But all good things must come to an end, and if we anticipate that bad things frequently happen, we aren't surprised by them when they occur. Listen to verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, and this is what they said, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. So some self-righteous believers from Jerusalem felt like they needed to travel 300 miles north to make sure the believers in Antioch were doing it right. When they arrived, they threw water on what God was doing by calling it all into question. They demanded that circumcision was necessary for the males in order for them to be saved. So we're told in verse 2 that Paul and Barnabas spoke passionately against the necessity of circumcision. In fact, Paul would later write Romans chapter 2, verses 25 through 29, claiming that circumcision only benefits someone if they fully and completely comply with the Old Testament law. And by the way, no one except Jesus has ever done that. So circumcision was of no benefit anymore. Faith in Christ alone is what saves us. But the arguments and debates did not achieve a mutually held conviction. So Paul, Barnabas, and the Judaizers, and maybe a few others, decided to head to Jerusalem to speak with the apostles, the pastors of the Jerusalem church. In verse 3, we read that as Paul and Barnabas passed through cities on their way to Jerusalem, they found believers and told them about how God had saved so many Gentiles. The believing brothers and sisters in all of those cities were filled with happiness at this news. It was exciting. Verse 4, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. So they continued to tell the stories of what God had done through them, and there's something powerful about telling stories like this. That's why so many churches always give a time, like our church does, they give a time like on a Sunday evening to report back to the church after events like a youth camp or a mission trip or something else and other activities, similar activities. God has created us to enjoy stories and these stories move us to praise and happiness. Well, we experience the pendulum swing again with all this happiness and praise. We anticipate that it's going to swing, and it does. In verse 5, we read that the legalists, that's those who focus on the law as a way of gaining God's favor, 
They stood up and threw water on the excitement here in Jerusalem, and they continued to demand that circumcision is a part of salvation. In verses 6 through 11, Peter spoke up. This is his church, after all, you know, and, and when we understand church, we're not talking about, I don't think, one gathered body of believers in Jerusalem. I, I think they were scattered throughout Jerusalem, but they kind of oversaw the, the Christians, the believers in Jerusalem. So in verses 6 through 11, Peter spoke up and he pointed out that the Gentiles had been saved and filled with the Spirit just like the Jews had been. He noted that God clearly made had clearly made no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. And then he stated the obvious. The Jews had never been able to fully obey the law. So why set the Gentiles up for failure by requiring them to obey the law of circumcision? And then Peter gave the essence of the gospel in verse 11. Listen to what he said in verse 11. On the contrary, he said, We believe that we are saved through grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. So the gospel is not experienced by obeying the law, whether it's circumcision or any other law. The law, the gospel is not experienced by obeying the law. It's not obtained by what we do. Instead, it is received by grace, which means it's a completely free gift from God. So the gospel should not be diluted by including circumcision or any other law in the Old Testament. Well, in verse 12, we read that the whole assembly became quiet. They were reflecting on what Peter had said, and they were apparently in agreement. And in that quiet moment, Paul and Barnabas recounted how God was clearly moving among the Gentiles. The purpose of telling these stories would have been to say, without saying, don't do anything that would seek to stop the good work that God is doing. Don't mess it up. That's, that's really what was being said here. Don't mess up what God is doing in Jerusalem, but also in Antioch and beyond. Don't mess it up. Well, after Peter and Barnabas stopped speaking, James spoke up, beginning in verse 13. It seems that James was the leading elder of the church. He was Jesus' half-brother and would write the book of James. And the matter had not yet been resolved, and so he would speak up and give what would be the final word on the matter. As we read verses 14 through 18, James started off by affirming that Peter, uh, what Peter had said. Uh, the church needed to know that its leaders were in agreement on this matter. And then James quoted Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, to say that God's word also agreed with what Peter had said. Then in verses 19 and 21, James gave his conviction about how the matter could best be resolved. James acknowledged that the Jewish believers who were steeped in the Old Testament law might cause difficulties for the Gentiles. He said they might cause difficulties for the Gentiles. And in the original language, cause difficulties literally means to cause extra difficulty and hardship by continual annoyance. That, that's, what it, that's what he's saying. He's saying that the Jews were at risk of continually annoying and causing difficulties and hardships on the Gentile believers. 
So James didn't want the Judaizers to continue to annoy the Gentiles, so he seemed to have come up with what seems to be a compromise. And compromise is not bad. It's not necessarily bad. As long as it doesn't water down truth, compromise is good. It's wise. And so it seems that he came up with a compromise. He provided three specific prohibitions that would satisfy the Judaizers, but would not add law to grace for the Gentiles. It was a wise compromise. It did not add the law to the, to, to the grace of the gospel, which circumcision was adding law to grace. Um, and uh, because of what circumcision meant and what it meant in the Old Testament, it did not add law. Uh, but what it did do is it satisfied the Judaizers because it was bringing up things from the Old Testament. And so listen to verse 20. But instead, he said, we should write to them, write to the Christians at Antioch, we should write to them to, one, abstain from things polluted by idols, two, from sexual immorality, three, from eating anything that has been strangled and from blood. So these prohibitions, while part of the Old Testament Mosaic law, were even more importantly moral laws that God has given to humanity. They weren't part of the dietary or ceremonial laws that were done away with. They were part of the moral law that still applied. And Peter was not applying this to the gospel. Peter was saying, this is how you are supposed to live if you are genuinely saved. So here's a brief word about each of the three prohibitions. And there's a lot that we could say, but let me just give you a little bit on each of the three. First, he said, abstain from things polluted by idols. Well, if you wanted to read what Paul wrote about this later on to the church at Corinth, where this really was an issue, read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 18 through 21. And if you want to, read the context to fully understand that. And Paul continued to speak against this practice many years later of eating food that knowingly was offered to idols. Second, he said, abstain from sexual immorality. Well, sexual immorality was clearly forbidden in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. It's one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. But there were so many other places that prohibited this sin. So Paul also addressed this periodically in his letters. This was clearly also something that all believers at all times should abstain from. Third, abstain from eating anything that has been strangled and from blood. So this actually predated the Mosaic Law. A food with its blood still in it was prohibited when Noah was walking the earth in Genesis chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. It was said that the life of a living being was in its blood. And, and we know, uh, we now know uh, about DNA in the blood, that, that your life code is literally in your blood. And so when the Bible said the life is in the blood, they God knew infinitely more and we understand more than those Old Testament believers did whenever they heard that. And so blood was to be forbidden to be eaten because it had life in it, life in it. And I would say that uh, it's quite possible that uh, this is still a stipulation that we generally, maybe even wholeheartedly, should not comply with. Uh, I mean, uh, should comply with, should obey, and should not violate is what I meant. Uh, blood sausage and, you know, things like that. I just question whether or not a Christian should be uh, 
and eating things like that. So there you go. You've got the three things. These three prohibitions were apparently agreeable to everyone. And with a desire to show camaraderie, a group of Jewish believers from Jerusalem accompanied Paul and Barnabas to Antioch, where they would share the convictions of the Jerusalem leadership. One of the Jewish men who went to Antioch was named Silas, according to verse 22. Uh, Paul apparently got to know him and developed a friendship with him, at least I assume that he did, and Silas would be Paul's partner when he went on his second missionary journey in the not-too-distant future. Well, in verses 23 through 29, we read the letter that was sent to the Christians at Antioch by the leadership of the Jerusalem church, and the warmth of this letter is so obvious to the observant reader. Even though we can't hear them saying it, you can feel the tone in this. It is genuinely warm and compassionate. This letter made it sound like the folks who had traveled to Antioch and caused some trouble to the Gentile church. It doesn't say it, but it leads us to believe that they were an embarrassment to the church in Jerusalem. The letter also said that the Jerusalem church leadership approved of Paul and Barnabas and then asked that the Gentiles would only comply with the three expectations. And so they affirmed Paul and Barnabas, who were well-loved at the church at Antioch. So the Jerusalem church affirmed them, and then also the church gave the three expectations. And so this would have been warmly received. In fact, in verses 30 through 32, the letter was read in the church at Antioch, and the Gentile believers were pleased. They were happy with it. Judas and Silas then gave a long sermon that encouraged and strengthened the Gentile believers. Judas and Silas were men from the Jerusalem church. And so there was a camaraderie, a partnership that was being forged where there could have been division. There was partnership. According to verses 33 through 35, the Antioch church sent Judas and Silas back to Jerusalem as Paul and Barnabas taught the word of the Lord in Antioch. However, you might not have noticed that there is no verse 34 in some of the new Bible translations. In the CSB that I read from, the Christian Standard Bible, it does not have verse 34. That's because... It doesn't appear in the most reliable manuscripts. So what does that verse say in the King James? Well, Acts 15.34 in the King James says, Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. So that verse says that, uh, hey, Silas uh, decided not to go down to Jerusalem. He wanted to hang out at Antioch. Well, honestly, that doesn't make sense because verse 33, the verse right before it, says that Silas went back to Jerusalem with Judas, that he had been sent back by the church at Antioch. And so Barnabas and Saul stayed on and they taught. So it doesn't make sense that verse 33 says that they sent them back, and then verse 34 says, no, on second thought, Silas stayed. A likely explanation for the verse 34 is that a scribe looked at how Silas would soon join Paul on his second missionary journey, and the scribe thought that it meant that Silas must have stayed behind in Antioch. So with good intentions, he, the scribe, may have written that sentence into the story, may have written verse 34. Regardless, most biblical scholars who deal with manuscripts do not believe Luke wrote uh, verse 34. And so you say, well... 
there's a verse 33 and a verse 35. Why was there no verse 34? Well, that's because uh, the Bible, if I'm not mistaken, I think the chapters and verses were inserted in during the time of the King James Bible. And so the King James would have just, it apparently just took that verse and um, believing, either believing that it was a reliable verse and that it was written by Luke, or maybe it just took the manuscript and just translated it uh, without doing uh, you know, the uh, textual criticism on it to make sure that this was actually originally written in the earliest manuscripts. And so anyway, the, an earlier translation, the King James, included it and it was put, you know, verse 34 was put right beside that. So when you have the newer translation saying, wait a second, it doesn't look like that verse was even in there to begin with. Well, now, you know, for consistency, verses need to match up from one translation to the other. And so the only option is just to take 34 out when really that probably should have never been in there in the first place. Anyway, if that made sense, good. If it didn't, let's keep moving. Um, verse 36, after some time had passed, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where they have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So Paul apparently was a man that liked adventure. He also loved the Lord. He loved the truth of God's word and people who desperately needed to hear the gospel. So he asked Barnabas if he wanted to go back on a mission trip to check on the people they had met before. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was also called Mark. Well, Barnabas, always the encourager, wanted to take John Mark. He's the one. Uh, who had started, uh, John Mark was the one who started on their previous mission journey, mission trip, but left after times got tough. It may be that John Mark expressed his desire to Barnabas and said that he had grown since then, since that first missionary journey, since he quit, and he wouldn't quit this time, so Barnabas was willing to give him another chance at joining him on a mission trip, verse 38. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. So Paul wasn't ready to forgive John Mark for deserting them. He didn't have time for quitters, and he wasn't going to give in. He refused to take John Mark along. Well, listen to verse 39 through 41. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So the argument got so heated that two friends who had been through so much together, Paul and Barnabas, they separated. Barnabas took John Mark on a mission trip, and Paul took Silas in another direction on mission. Fortunately, we eventually see that Paul became more like Christ and Barnabas as the years went by. When we get to Paul's last letter before being martyred, he was asking for John Mark. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Paul wrote, Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. 
So Paul wasn't just tolerating John Mark now. He said, he is useful to me in the ministry. As wonderful an example of godliness as the Apostle Paul was, let's strive to be more like Barnabas when it comes to how we relate to others. Let's strive to be encouraging. Let's be patient. And let's love, knowing that love overlooks a multitude of offenses. If there are unresolved conflicts in our past or present, then let's strive to be like Paul, who apparently came to a point where he recognized his error and reconciled with John Mark. We won't always treat others well, so we had better get good at acknowledging our sin and seek reconciliation. But realize, even as we look at flawed examples with the desire to emulate their good behaviors, it's really about becoming more like Jesus. He is ultimately who we desire to imitate. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for not treating us like the Apostle Paul treated John Mark, at least initially. We have failed you more times than we could possibly count. And if it weren't for your patience and love, you would easily and justifiably write us off and move on to more competent and reliable people. So we want to say thank you, Lord. You've been so good to us. There's no way that we could have ever earned your favor. But it's never about our effort, only your free grace. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. I hope today's episode has helped you to understand and enjoy God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. If looking over the script for this podcast would be beneficial to you, hop on over to my website at mattsmusings.net. I'll provide a link in this episode's show notes. The Enjoying the Bible podcast is a ministry of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Check us out at fbcpolkcity.com. See you next time.